Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. God bless you. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, band, and all of you that did wake up on time. It's good to be here in the house of God uh, while, we're st- <laughs> while we're standing get your Bible or your electronic device. Turn to Psalm 139. While you're standing, if you're not standing, you're able to please stand with us in the reading of the Word of God. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Is anybody just happy to be saved? I mean, it doesn't do much good to be saved and be all mean looking and stuff. Folk wonder what you're saved from. Psalm 139, verse number 14. Psalm 139, verse number 14. Let's read that out loud together. Ready, read. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Amen. Let's bow your heads. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word. Give it light. It gives us knowledge. It gives us understanding. It gives us revelation. May we be imparted upon today that we might be better witnesses and examples of the grace and glory of God. Speak through the preacher. Anoint his mouth. Anoint the ears of the hearer and the hearts of your people so you can get the precious fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, then. God bless you. We're going to continue our teaching on live like you're special to God. Look at someone and tell them, live like you're special to God. Look at someone else and tell them the same thing. Live like you're special to God. There's a whole lot in that phrase. And we're going to unpack it as long as the Lord directs us to. In Psalm 139, we see that David says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And my soul knoweth it right well. I know it. David said, I know how I've been made. Basically, what he's saying is throw your hands up and praise God. Because God made you special. Isn't that something? Throw your hands up and praise God because of the thought that went into creating you and I. I wonder how many of us really take time to think about what God put into creating you. You know, the devil has used this world very well. And what I mean by that is he has used the world to cause us to wake up in the morning and look at the flaws. Touch your gray hair up. Put your makeup on. 
And, and it's caused us to not see us the way God sees us. Some of us, some of us, some of us don't like ourselves very much. Some of us, truth be told, we, we just, you know, our head is too big or too small. You know, we're gonna find, you're going to find something wrong with yourself. And it's the very thing, maybe, sometimes, that your husband saw in you. It made him talk to you. But for years, you never liked that about yourself. But he saw something marvelous in what you saw as ugly. I said that while I was saying that, I just, just reminded me, I'll just say it in passing, that in April... Pastor Deborah and I be married 35 years. 35 years. Man. That's a long time. Long time. But God created us in a fearful or a reverent type of way. He reverently created mankind. He respectfully put us together. He respectfully put us together. He honorably put us together. As well as marvelously. In other words, in other words, if you're taking notes, write this down. There's nothing cheap, ordinary, or haphazard about you. God just didn't throw your nose on the side of your head. Boom. (laughs) Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. Somebody that's very visual saw that. But God created us respectfully, reverently. He didn't just haphazardly put us together in some cheap, ordinary, pathetic kind of way. No, 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 no. We're talking about the God of the universe who knows all things, when he decided to put you and I together, there was much thought put into it. So you need to think about yourself probably more deeply than you do. We, we probably need to stop thinking so superficially about ourselves because God doesn't think superficially about you. Maybe we should stop having so many superficial, fleshly conversations with each other because God thinks more deeply about us and maybe we should think more deeply when we communicate to one another. I think we're sanctified enough, at least the crowd I see this morning, that I could say this and it won't get messed up. Tell somebody you're more than just cute. Now, no, don't, don't take that to wrong. Now, see now, now, don't get carnal now. I set all that up so I could say that, and you wouldn't go off in the flesh. You're deeper. You're more profound. There's more to you. There's, there's, there's way more to you than how cute you are and how handsome you are and how well you're dressed. There's way more to you than that. You're special to God. He made you special so you could think special about yourself, and then you can address other people in a special way. You know, some folk, you need to just stop calling them dude. What's up, dude? No, he need a little bit more respect than that. 
Hey, baby. Uh, if it ain't your wife. David said, my soul is fully aware of how special I am. Mm -hmm. When I read that, it hit me immediately. How did David come to this place? How did David come to the place where he knew how special he was? It had to be a discovery. I don't think it was something he was born with. In fact, we know some of David's challenges. When he sinned against God by killing Uriah and sleeping with Bathsheba, he, in Psalm 51, says, I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. He, David didn't always feel good about himself. Even though he was anointed king, David didn't always feel good about himself. You know, you can be anointed and not like yourself. You know, the power of God to be in your life and you have challenges about yourself. And this is why we need to know and be reminded that we are special to God. But I believe, possibly, if David were standing next to me, he would check me. say, no, Reverend, let me check you. It's not how did I know that I was special, I was special to God. The question is, how do you not know it? How come you don't know? Yeah, look at, look at your neighbor. Ask him in earnest. How come you don't know how special you are to God? How come you don't know that? How come you don't know that when you pray, you're the only person out of billions of people that sound like you? And God knows your voice from everybody else's. If you knew how special your prayer was, you'd pray more. Do you know your, your worship when you sing? Even if you're off key a little or a lot. <laughs> God still knows. That's James Logan. He's trying. He's trying. He's trying. He's trying. He ain't 20 no more, but he's still trying. He's special to me. He's trying. You know, it's kind of like, like all of us, most of us, you know, the children are downstairs. It's like when you first tried to walk, you looked so ridiculous. But we just smiled and it was just so much, come on, you can do it. You would fall and, and your falling was cute. The reason your falling was cute because we knew you were going to get back up. Somebody missed that prophetic word right there. See, even though you fall, you're going to get back up. So your fall doesn't bother God because he knows you're going to get back up. The fall messes with you because you don't know how special you are yet. So why does a person, a believer in particular, not know they're special to God? A believer, someone that's 
saved, confess their sin, reads the Bible, prays, worships, serves, all that. How is someone like that not going to know they're special to God? Because you've been listening to somebody who hates God. You've been listening to Satan. He does not love God and he does not love you. He hates God and he hates you. He is a thief and a liar. You've been listening to a liar tell you, God is mad at you. You got to do three more Hail Marys. You got to do three more prayers. You didn't fast. You ate a hamburger. You didn't say, you didn't hold the door open. He's going to run down a litany of things you didn't do to try to make you think God is not special or doesn't think about you as special. That's what he does. And you've been listening to him. Shake your head. Yeah, you've been listening to him. And you don't think you're special because he keeps telling you you're not. He keeps reminding you of every little bitty thing you do. You know, God ain't pleased with that. And you know what else the, the devil will do? I'm telling you, this joker, boy, we, we got we to pray. He'll use my name. Boy, what if Bishop saw you? I mean, come on, dude, why are you using me? I ain't said nothing about you. (laughs) But he's trying to get you to never see yourself the way God sees you. And it's part of my job and my responsibility to tell you exactly what God thinks about you. That's what my responsibility is, is to tell you the truth. See, let me, let me back up and say again, very simply, simply put, this is one of the, particularly today, this is one of the major reasons you need to go to church to hear a preacher tell you what God thinks about you. Because where else you going to hear it? Not on your job. Not in the grocery store. Not on the train. You're primarily only going to hear what God thinks about you in his house. (laughs) From one of his servants. Everywhere else you're going to hear lies about yourself. And you're going to have to fight to not believe it. In Revelation chapter 12 verses 7 through 9. Uh, there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Verse 9. And, a great, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, that old snake, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. That's what he does. He deceives the whole world. He's telling the whole world, ain't nothing special about you. You're born, you die, and that's it. Just Get as much as you can. Get over on people. Lie, steal, cheat. Ain't no afterlife. Ain't no good, no evil. Just do your thing. That's what he does. Wicked people don't pay for their wickedness. So you might as well just do, do what you can do to get it. This is, what he's, this is what he does. He deceives the whole world into thinking 
God doesn't love the world and didn't give his only begotten son because the world ain't special to God. That's why the father gave Jesus, because the world is special to him. He wants us saved. But if you believe the lie, ain't nobody going to be saved. Ain't no heaven, no hell. Ain't no God, ain't no devil. It's just all made up. He's a liar. So when David writes Psalm 139, historians say this is when he was anointed king over Israel. David had gone through a whole lot to get to that point. You know your Bible. He was anointed as a teenager to be king and went through all kind of hell before he got there. See, that's why you shouldn't be upset that you're going through hell on your way to your destiny. Somebody say amen. amen. You're on your way to your destiny. You're on your way to fulfilling what God said about you. You're going to go through some hell. I don't know why we don't tell people that as soon as they get saved. You want to be saved? Well, let me tell you a couple things first. Then tell me if you really want to be saved. So David, again, when he wrote Psalm 139, is when he was anointed king over Israel. And by now, at this point, <laughs> at this point in David's life, he's gone from a shepherd to now he's king. And now he sees the hand of God how it's been directing him all his life. It's like, my God, just when I thought it was over, God did something miraculous. Then I made it through that and ran into something else. And when I thought, surely it's over now, God got me out of that. And God kept getting me out of stuff. And then even when I blew it in sin, like I talked about David and Uriah, Bathsheba, even when I sinned, David said, God wouldn't even let, hear this, hear this. God wouldn't let sin stop what he was going to do in my life. I got good news for somebody. This is the gospel. Sin can't stop what God wants to do in your life. Sin cannot stop what God is about to do in your life. When you understand how to repent, repentance is a gift. It's a tool so that we can get back to on track with God. Sin doesn't have to stop what God promised he's going to do in your life. Sin will only stop it if you keep sinning. David said, man, wait a minute. Sin didn't even stop it. I'm king now, just like he said. Somebody said, you're going to get to where God said. If you keep walking by faith. No, 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 no. Say this way. Say, you're going to get where God said. If you keep walking by faith. We're going to get where God said. Because we're special to God. If you stop listening to the lies, you'll believe the truth. 
David realizes sin can't stop the plan of God, so he keeps walking with God. I mean, what else are you going to do? Every time I turn around, he keeps blessing me. He keeps bringing me out. He keeps raising me up. Where else am I going to go? I'm on a championship team. <laughs> it's like I said, David said in Psalm 51, Behold, I was shaping in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. But that didn't stop the plan of God. Mm-mm-mm. Now, by the time he reaches being anointed king over Israel and writes Psalm 139, David now begins to hear this. He begins to see himself the way God has always seen him. This is where we got to get to. We have to begin to see ourselves the way God has always seen us. Because some of us think God is schizophrenic. Yeah, you think one day God hates you because you did something stupid. He mad and he didn't, you didn't get the promotion and you got in an accident because you, you didn't please God. And that God don't think like that. That's, you, that's the liar influencing you. God always sees you as fearfully and, and wondrously made. He made you. Wait, 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 wait. Listen, listen. Prophesy to your neighbor. Say this. I'm giving you, I'm giving you permission to prophesy one word. Tell them, stop being goofy. God does not see you as great one day and a failure the next day. He doesn't see you like that. Those are seeds, thoughts planted by the enemy to keep you from your destiny, to slow you down. You're standing in the mirror for two hours, dogging yourself. And God ain't thinking none of them crazy things you're thinking and saying about yourself. God don't think like that. God is not schizophrenic. If he made you fearfully, masterfully, wonderfully, if he put all this thought into you, you know what he thinks about you. Or you should know what he thinks about you. And that needs to stay in your mind every day so you live out of that special place that he thinks about you. <laughs> so David sees himself now the way God has always seen him. David now knows how special he is to God. So David says in Psalm, excuse me, in 1 Samuel 17, verses 34 through 37, and David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took one of the lambs out of the flock. And I went out after him. And I smote him and delivered it out of its mouth. And when he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear And this uncircumcised Philistine, talking about Goliath. Now, this giant, tell somebody you're about to whoop a giant. Tell somebody you're about to whoop a giant. You got giant whooping capability. You're specially anointed for giants. 
people are going to call you to whoop their giants. You're going to start a giant whooping business. You're going to have a couple vans. The giant whoopers. Dial this number. Text this number. We specialize in giants. Got a midget? You deal with the midget. Oh, okay, let me stop. I know. I don't want to offend nobody. I'm, let me let me get okay, sorry. Get back into the word. Verse thirty-six: Thy servants slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defiled some special people serving God. The army. The army's got special people. You got to be special to be in God's army. Verse 37, David said, moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Notice what he said. The Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, go on with your bad self. Well, he kind of said that. That's not exactly what he said. Now, notice what David says again. He says, God rescued him from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, and he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. In other words, David said, it makes no difference in the eyes of God. I'm special to God. When you're special to God, it makes no difference whether it's paws or hands. Yeah, write that down. Write that down. It makes no difference whether it's paws or hands. I can't be defeated. I'm special. It makes no difference whether they're paws or hands. In, in other words, it doesn't matter what type of creature it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when the firstborn of Egypt were cursed and began to die, by the mouth of Moses, the Bible says it never touched them, God's special people. In fact, in Exodus 11, it says, but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue. <laughs> God says, my people are special. While Egyptians are dying, particularly the firstborn, in Goshen, where my people live, a dog won't move his tongue. Now, this is very, very significant because if you were to go back, and I suggest you do at some point, and read the beginning of the story, God told Moses he was going to punish the gods of Egypt. And this dog that Moses is talking about was one of Egypt's primary gods, Anubis. That's the dog-headed god. That's the dog-headed figure in Egyptian religion. His name is Anubis. And his name means barking dog. So God says, I'm going to punish Egypt. I'm going to punish their gods. And in fact, while I'm killing their firstborn in Egypt, Anubis is going to try to bark where you are. 
but I'm going to shut him down. Anubis will not be able to do anything to hurt you because you're special to me. And watch what else he says. He says, not a dog will move his tongue against man or beast that you may know how the Lord doeth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Do you not know? See, this is where we, we, we got to stop being shy and scared and sheepish about this very thing I'm going to say. When you are born again and in covenant with God, there is a difference between you and the world. And you need not be afraid to walk in that difference. The world hates you anyway. There's a difference between us and them. God made the difference. I didn't make the difference. God made the difference, just like he made a difference between the Egyptians and his people. And you need to wake up every day knowing there's a difference between me and the unsaved. There's grace and favor like we were singing and praying when we first started the service. There's the love of God is on me. I'm special to God. I don't expect to get into a car accident. I don't even expect to have a hangnail break. I don't expect anything bad to happen. I am special to God. I expect to be healed when I get sick. I expect to be blessed when I need to be blessed. I expect to be able to sleep when I go to bed. I expect to wake up when it's time to wake up. I expect to get to the job when I'm supposed to get. Nothing is supposed to. I'm special to God. There's a difference between me and the world. When I get to my job and the world going to tell me all the bad stuff, that stuff ain't supposed to happen to me. I'm supposed to listen to them and pray for them and ask them, do they want to be saved? But I'm not supposed to get scared like they scared because there's a difference between me and them. I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited. I'm, getting, I'm special. Slap somebody a high five and say, you're special to God. There's a difference between us. There's a difference between us. You know, I'm old enough, and I'm, I'm grateful the time I was brought into this world. I understand how the time and the experiences have shaped, of history have shaped my thinking, giving me a, what I believe to be a fairly healthy Christian worldview. And um, <laughs> I can remember... And some others in here can too. I can remember when church folk, the saints, was glad to be holy. I can remember when, when it was a big thing. You knew somebody that was saved between somebody that was. You knew. You knew. It was a difference. It was easy to tell. Y'all getting quiet. And uh, I can remember when it was a badge of honor to go somewhere and, and folk know you ain't like the world. Know you holy. Know what you won't do. Know how you won't talk. Know how you won't dress. I remember. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember how we even looked for ways to prove we were separate from the world. Folks would quickly say, I don't do that. You don't hear that today. They'll say, tag me on that. Yeah, we're going to walk through this part real good. I remember when the world had even a measure of respect for the church because they knew we were different. They wanted us to be different. I, I can remember my, in, in my crazy time, uh, uh, people telling me, Logan, man, you saved. Man, what? You don't need to be here. You, you say, Giant Logan, man, you don't need to be here, man. I mean, there was a measure of, they didn't even want me there. Because they wanted me to be different so they could have something to shoot for. Being special meant being special. And we love being special. And the world wanted us, many at least, wanted us to be special because they wanted to come out of where they were and eventually become what we were and what we are. See, holiness is about being separated to God. It's not a denomination. It's not a particular look or dress. It's not in a particular way you dance or have church or speak. It can impact and does impact all of those things, but those are not the hallmarks of holiness. Holiness is being separated to God. It's being other than worldly. It's being other than unholy. <laughs> It's being other than unclean. What makes us special is being holy. What makes us special to God is being clean. Leviticus 10, 8 through 10. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine nor strong drink Thou nor thy sons with thee, that would be priests, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, when you're worshiping and serving me in the priest's office, lest you die. Don't get drunk and preach. Pray and prophesy. Don't get drunk and get the microphone. This is in today's vernacular. He says, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generation. How long is forever? Forever is forever. It is, it's never going to be cool with God trying to be a priest and you're drunk. I don't care what laws they pass in the magisterium. I don't care what they change in the laws and the bylaws. God said forever if you want to be a special priest to me, don't get drunk and try to function as a man of God. So what you going to do with that?
He goes on to say, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may put a difference between holy and unholy and between clean and unclean. That's what makes clean special. (laughs) Clean ain't special if it's like unclean. Holy ain't special if it's like unholy. And we ain't special if we living like the world. Look at somebody in the eye and just stare at them. Don't say a word. Just stare at them. Because you got to get this. Because you think you can live like the world and still be special. And I'm here to tell you, you can. Again, back in the day, church folk took pride in being separate and different from the world. It's pride. Yeah, you know, you kind of got talked about, laughed at. But deep down on the inside, you knew, but I ain't no heathen. <laughs> and I ain't going to hell. You're going to bust hell. You making the day the old preach, you're going to bust hell wide open. <laughs> You're going to bust hell wide open. <laughs> the force you're going to hit hell just going to boom. <laughs> we used to take pride in the fact we don't smoke, drink, and chew and hang around folks that do. Now you up in the strip club. Put your clergy collar on. Talking about I'm hanging around the average folk. I'm. I'm like Jesus. I hang out with publicans and sinners. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, I'm going to move on from this. I remember, I remember, because I was one of them. I remember, and still so, uh, that way, but not as zealous as I was when I was younger. But I remember brothers in Christ wanted to be men of God. That used to be a, that used to be a powerful phrase, man of God. You know, back in the South, it was man of God, M-A-N-D, man of God. <laughs> Come here, man of God. I guess it may be sounding more holy when they said it like that. Man of God. But we strove to be a man of God. I don't just be a preacher because anybody can be a preacher. But a man of God is a whole nother thing. A woman of God is on a whole nother level. Where, 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 where are the people that want to be men and women of God? Where, where are they at? Stand on your feet if you want to be a man and a woman of God. Not just a church goer, not just a servant of God, but you want to be a man of God. A woman of God. Because that's a whole nother level of being special and being separated. You may be seated. Thank you. See, 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 being a man of God says I'm only of God about the things of God. So when you talk to me, you're going to get God. If you don't want no God, don't talk to me because all that's coming out of me is going to be of God. Hey, hallelujah, because I study, I pray. I'm in the face of God constantly. So I come from God like Elijah came out of nowhere. 
See, when you're a man of God, people won't always understand what you're saying. What, what, did, what did that mean? Because it came from God. You got to have discerning of spirits. You got to be full of the Holy Ghost to understand these things that are mysteries of the kingdom. That's what men and women of God do. That's what make them special. You can hear a good sermon anywhere, but a man of God talking to you, a woman of God speaking over your life, it's a whole nother thing. I remember we used to say these things. I want to be a man of God. And then here's another phrase. I want to be full of faith and power. Woo, man, that thing's running through me. A man of God full of faith and power. That means when I pray for you, something's going to happen. <laughs> if I lay my hands on you, something's going to happen. Hallelujah, because I'm special. I'm not just some ordinary run-of-the-mill, go-to-church-every-now-and-then believer. I'm a man of God. There's something special on me because I hang around God so long, so strong, so tough that he made me anointed in a special way. How many people want that today? There's more people that want to be rappers than men of God. You want to fill the stadium up like Travis Scott. You ain't trying to be a man of God or a woman of God. You want to be like the bee, the queen bee. Beyonce. That's for the older folk, y'all young. <laughs> young folk already know who that is. You want to be like Rihanna. You want to sing at the Super Bowl. But you're not going deeper understanding how special you are. You're not probing the scriptures to discover there's something God put in you that's not in any other human being in the world. And the reason you're alive today is to deposit it in the world. But you're not trying to discover what that is. Because you want to be rich and famous. But when you begin to delve into and discover how special you are to God, the lies the enemy tells begin to show up so quickly, so easily, and so clearly. Ezekiel 22, 18. Man, I'm running out of time. But I got to give all this today. I can't, I can't stop it. Ezekiel 22, 18, son of man, the people of Israel have become worthless to me. They're not special anymore. All of them are like copper, tin, iron, and lead in a smeltering furnace. They are like the impurities left from silver. My brothers and sisters, copper, tin, iron, lead, these are all what's called base metals. Base. Base is always the lowest of anything. Base. <coughs> these are base metals because they're lowest on the scale of alloys. You can find them just about anywhere. So they're not very valuable. <laughs> I 
base metal people get online and show their skin, they tits and booty. I hope I shocked you. Base. Base. Lowest level. Everybody got what you got. You don't think so. You think your base is special. You think showing your titties and your butt is special. Base. Somebody say base. Base metal people get online and talk nasty and perverted. All they t- they'll mind telling you all the nasty stuff they'll do to you. There's 66 million other people to do the same thing. Because they haven't found out they're special and that God put something in them to tell you that nobody else can tell you but them. You missed it. Let me say it again. Base people will only tell you what every other base person will tell you. Special people are the only ones that can tell you what nobody else can tell you but them. You'll get it on the way home. Base people gossip, lie, make up stuff. Same thing, but, but you know. Basically, base metal people, copper, tin, lead people, dime a dozen, find them anywhere. They just reveal their uncleanness. They get online and reveal, oh, you ain't even clean. You ain't even saved. You go to church, but you ain't saved. You don't know you're special to God because what you're saying, God ain't happy with it. It's not blessing anybody. See, silver, somebody say silver. Silver. Say silver. silver. Silver in Scripture in the kingdom is symbolic of redemption, salvation. Ezekiel said, these are all impurities found in the silver. So before we all got saved, we all had these base metals. Before we got saved, we could all talk the same thing. We could all show off the same carnal stuff. We all could like, we all were doing it. But when we got saved and full of the Holy Ghost, the fire of the Holy Spirit began to burn the copper, the t- all the base stuff out of us, and all he leaves is what's special. Leaves what's special. 
So when you open your mouth, something special comes out. It either gets someone saved, healed, delivered. It brings peace because something special is come because all the base metals are burnt out. All the impurities are gone. All now that comes out of your mouth is a pure word from God. We need folks speaking a pure word from God. We need prophets prophesying pure words from God. We need folks that really are full of the Holy Ghost, that know they're special, that let the Holy Ghost burn that stuff out of them. I'm tired of hearing you lying and you save. Silver is expensive because you can't just find it anywhere. Silver is valuable because you just can't find it anywhere. Silver is valuable because you can't find it anywhere. Say amen. You needed to say amen because... When you understand or begin understanding that you're special to God and that let the Holy Spirit burn out all those base metals so that you're purified into silver, your worth goes up. If you want to break the spirit of poverty off of you, get rid of your base metals. Write it down. Write it down. That was free. That was just... If you want to get out of poverty... Get rid of the base metals. That's why you're not valuable. That's why they didn't hire you. That's why they don't see the worth in you. They see their base metals. Everybody got what you got. Why hire you? Folk like you a dime a dozen. But silver people. And by the way, gold is symbolic of divinity. Silver and gold. That's what makes us special. This is what makes us valuable. This is why the devil wants you to stay worldly, so God will say you're worthless to me, just like he just said. You're worthless. Can't use you. The devil can, though. But God can't. Ezekiel 22, 19. This is what the Almighty, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D says. All of you have become worthless. Verse 26. Your priests violate my teachings and dishonor my holy things. They don't distinguish between what is holy and what's unholy. Priests do not distinguish. Between what's holy and unholy. So they'll tell you homosexuality ain't a sin. You need to run up out of that church. Because you're slowly or maybe fastly becoming worthless to God. Say lie. See, you need to, oh, I might as well say this. I hear that. You, you, you might as well make up your mind that I would rather be in a church of a few hundred holy people than in a big church full of worthless people. <laughs> big old church. 
all these folk. And the priest is making me, making you more and more worthless to God. Every message you hear. Say la. Say la. Because I ain't stopping. God ain't promised me nothing, but he's going to save me, keep me. <laughs> Watch this. Your priests violate my teachings and dishonor my holy things. They don't distinguish between what is holy and what is un unholy. They don't teach the difference. They don't teach the difference. You don't want to go to a church where every sermon is about you being blessed. And the preacher is afraid to teach between what's clean and unclean, what's holy and unholy. That's part of the calling. I don't listen to me. I don't get to choose what I tell you. I don't. There's times I'll be like, I don't want to preach that. I don't want to talk about that. I want, I want to make the people happy. Because it's happy and fun being around happy people. That's why a lot of preachers want you to be happy because it's just happy, happy. Everybody's just happy. It's like we all had jello instant pudding. Just, 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 just. But I have to teach the difference between what is clean and what is unclean. He goes on to say, they ignore the days to worship me. That's why I have to tell you, you got to come to church. You can't ignore the days of worshiping God. This is where we are taught what's clean and what's not clean. Hmm. So God says, I am dishonored among the people. So the world is in the condition it's in because my special people aren't being taught they're special by special priests. So they don't know they're special. So they're worthless to me. So we can't really do real ministry. We can have church. You missed it. A man of God will teach you, a woman of God will teach you the difference between clean and unclean. They will. When the Syrians came against God's people, I'm almost finished. Elijah was the man of God. Elisha was the man of God of that hour. And so the Syrians wanted to kill Elisha because he was a man of God, and God would tell Elisha what the Syrians' plans were. So the Syrians couldn't overcome God's people because they were special. And so the Syrians were upset and angry, and they found out that Elisha was in Dothan. So they sent an army to Dothan to kill the man of God. Now, you know you've got to be anointed for a whole army to come after you. You, 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 you got to be some kind of threat to the devil 
So let me help somebody. If you've got problem after problem and demon after demon, principality after principality, use some kind of woman of God. Use some kind of man of God. Use some kind of warrior. Don't look at it as, woe is me. I'm tired of going through. No, look at it. You're doing much damage in the... You're doing much damage in the kingdom of darkness if the enemy keeps seeing wave after wave, army patrol after patrol after you. You better know you're doing some damage to the devil's kingdom. I mean, after you fight a financial devil, here come a physical devil. Then you're in the hospital. Then after you get out the hospital, you got family challenges. Then after you get out your family straight, you got all kind of other stuff breaking off in your job. You are awesome. Look at somebody and say, you're way more special than you thought. The devil been lying to you, telling you you ain't no good and, and God can't use you and you're just a sinner. That's why you're having all this trouble. That's a lie. It's a lie. So they sent an army after Elisha. They sent an army to Dothan after Elisha. And when Elisha hears that they're in Dothan, and his servant looks around and sees, oh, man, we're surrounded by the Syrian army. Let's pick up where the scripture, 2 Kings verse, chapter 6, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God, <laughs> and the servant of the man of God got up in the morning and went outside, and he saw troops, horses, and chariots, Surrounding the city, Elijah's servant asked, Master, what shall we do? Let me, let me, let me, let me expand that definition. Master, I thought we were saved. Pastor, I thought we was in the will of God. You ain't going to get all the way home. Pastor, we just got through fasting and praying. You're going to get it on the way home. Master, what shall we do? And he answered, fear not. Fear not. Somebody said it with me. Fear not. He says, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open this, boys. Well, they don't say it like that. But that's, that's the vibe I get from it, the client. Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of this young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. See, oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, it takes a man of God, someone special to God to see what you can't see. Sometimes it takes a man of God, someone special to God, to reveal to people what God is up to. Because, see, if you unclean, you're worthless to God. So he's not going to share much information with you. But if you're a man of God and you're walking in holiness and righteousness, 
And you know you're special to God. You're going to spend enough time with God to hear from God. And you're going to know some of the things God is up to. And you can reveal those to his people. So you're not ignorant. It makes you even more special. (laughs) This young man wasn't spiritually mature enough to see what Elijah could see. Because he didn't know what Elijah knew. Elisha already knew he was special to God. This young man didn't. Mm. He didn't know how special they were to God. He didn't know that the mission and ministry of Elisha could not stop. So God wouldn't let an army stop it. When you begin to understand how special you are, you'll know that your ministry and your mission can't stop. Tell somebody, I can't quit now. I'm just getting started. God's getting ready to use me in a mighty, mighty way. So I'm not worried about what I see in the natural. This young man saw his enemies and got scared. I can identify with that. I mean, sometimes you see stuff that just be scary. You'd be like, okay, Jesus. That's not the problem. Write this down. Seeing your enemies and getting scared is not the problem. Because the presence, the presence of your enemies doesn't mean God ain't there. (laughs) Don't be afraid when you see your enemies. And it's okay if you are afraid. When you realize, oh, they here, but God's here too. I'm special to God. He leave me out here by myself. He ain't leave me out here by myself. He ain't leave me out here by myself. I'm reminded even right now, uh, the first time I went to, to, to Africa, to Kenya, and, uh, and I went with a group of, of, of pastors and preachers. And it's my first time as my, one of my, I call him my overseas travel mentor, Bishop Van Gaten. And uh, we, were, we were in uh, the city, Nairobi, and it was a big, 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 big conference, thousands, tens of thousands of people. And uh, I got a chance to speak a little bit at, at, at one day, one afternoon. And, but I went to also meet up with a, 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 a pastor that was a part of Dominion Fellowship. Bishop Darrell had established that time, and he would come from Kenya to Milwaukee, and people would, you know, support him for years. And I was like, well, has anybody been there? You know, we give any money. What are he doing? You know, so let's see what he's doing. I mean, just, you know, common sense stuff. So, so I called Bishop Wafula, and of course, y'all, some of you know, he'd been here many times before he passed. And... Uh, I called him. He said, man, I'm going to come get you. I said, okay. He, I, said, <laughs> I said, how far away is it? <laughs> it ain't far. <laughs> anyway, it was a long way. We drove past the equator. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. <laughs> literally, literally, literally. I'm seeing like National Geographic pictures and stuff of people. I was like, whoa. I'm like, so anyway, anyway. 
So, so we're in, in, his, in, his, in his, 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 his four by four. He and his wife. His wife is driving. Uh, she, she was just here, uh, Pastor Christina and uh, Bishop Christina. And uh, she said to me, it was my first time meeting her. She says, Pastor. I said, yes, ma'am. She says, you got a lot of faith. <laughs> I said, really? You don't know us. You way out here in Africa <laughs> by yourself. Well, I wasn't afraid because you have to know when you're on assignment with God that no weapon formed against you can prosper. And I got to tell you, I learned something about that trip, about the God in me that I didn't know sitting up in this comfortable pool pit with y'all. Let me help somebody. Let me prophesy to somebody. God's about to put you in one of the most uncomfortable positions you could ever be in because you don't know yet how much special to God you are. And the only way you're going to recognize that is if God allows you to be put in a place where he demonstrates, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No weapon formed against you. The enemy may surround you, but I got your enemy surrounded. Tell somebody God has your enemy surrounded. See, all the devil wants you to see is he got you surrounded. But you need to open your eyes up and see that God has your enemy surrounded. Let me say it another way. Let me be blunt with this thing here. See, some of you think and have been told by so many good-meaning doctors that cancer has you surrounded. But I came this morning to tell you God got cancer surrounded. And if you just hold on to your faith, God is about to deliver you and bring you out because you're special to God. Ain't no sense in you. Well, and again, you might initially get scared. It doesn't spread to the rest of your body. Well, who got your body? Who made your body? Who made your body? Who made you? Did you forget who made you? Did you forget how you were made? You're made, listen, we are made in the image and likeness of God. That's special. So, Elisha and his servant's enemies were destroyed by the presence of God. Because Elijah and his servant were just, two men were just that special to God. Two believers on a mission in ministry, serving the Lord, were just that special to God that he blinded a whole army just for them. What will God do for you? Stand on your feet, please. Just for you, because you're special to him. Bow your heads, please. As we realize, as we begin to discover how special we are to God, it releases his supernatural power in our lives. 
You see, love and, his, <laughs> and us being special to God is an aspect of his love. Love is only as effective to the degree it's received. I'm going to say that again. Love is only as effective to the degree it's received. If you don't believe someone loves you, their love will have no effect on you. But when you begin to discover how much love God has for you, it will begin to change you. It'll change everything in your life. You'll, it'll begin to remove excuses. There's no reason for you to think the way you think God loves you. There's no reason for you to stay depressed. God loves you. There's no reason for you to stay down. God loves you. There's no reason to keep blaming other people for the things you go through. God loves you. There's no reason to stay defeated. God loves you. He loves you. And he loves you and I greatly. God's love is great towards us. God's love is great towards you. Greatness in any area, in any genre, demands a response. Hey, God. Greatness demands a response. Great painters, great artists, great athletes, greatness anywhere and everywhere demands a response. When you see something great, you got to acknowledge it. When you're in the midst of greatness, you must acknowledge it. Man, wasn't this a great basketball game? The problem for some of us is when we get into the presence of God, we get into the greatness of God, we don't acknowledge him. We don't respond properly. Greatness demands a response. Greatness cannot be ignored. The great love God has for us, if it's not responded to, it's automatically being rejected. Don't reject his love for you tonight, today, this morning. Let him save you. Let him rescue you. Let him heal you. Let him deliver you. Greatness demands a response. How will you respond to the greatness of God in your life every day? Will you wake up recognizing you're special and live out of your specialty, your grace gifts, and the power? It's up to you. With every head bowed, 
every eye closed. And those of you that are watching online, if you're not born again, greatness, the greatness of God's love being extended to you through this service demands a response. Will you say, Jesus, save me? Will you say, I'm a sinner and I don't want to be any longer? Will you say, fill me with your Holy Spirit so you can use me? Make me special. Those are some of the words, some of the responses that are required at this very moment. If you repeat this prayer that has some of those words in it, you'll see your life change for time and eternity. If you're in this building, if in this service, and you want to be born again, you want to be saved, step out of your seat, come to the altar. I want to pray for you personally. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. Don't wait. Don't delay. Greatness demands a response. The love of God demands that you respond. I'm going to pray. If you're not saved in this building, come to the altar. Let me pray for you. 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 All right, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you. Somebody's watching that's responding to your great love. Somebody watching is understanding how special, how fearfully and wondrously they were made, how marvelously you put them together. They're understanding they're not a mistake. They're not thrown together haphazardly, that life doesn't work that way, that there's a purpose and a plan for them that you had in your mind before the world began. Today, they're responding to your love by saying, save me, Jesus. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to be in the hands of the liar. I don't want to believe his lies any longer. I want to be a child of God. I want to become a man uh, and or a woman of God. I want you to use me for your glory. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit so I, like Elisha, can see what you're doing in my generation. I thank you for hearing my prayer. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for filling me. I thank you for touching me. I thank you for taking the ordinary out of my life and then putting in the extraordinary. All for your glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey God, hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Put your hands together. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.